This is Coda Radio, episode 553 for January 16th, 2024. Hey friend, welcome in to Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and the world of technology. My name is Chris, and polishing off his glasses for his new Vision Pro, it's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. <laughs> that would more be like taking out large loans, yes. <laughs> getting, a mo- getting a reverse mortgage on the old house or... Yeah, selling the car. <laughs> yeah, I keep I keep listening to the. I mean, this wasn't really good a topic today, but I keep listening to Vision Pro coverage, and you know, I hear like the KG. It's great. I went to a session. Blah blah blah. 3D. You see this newest one, 3D movies from Disney Plus. By the way, Hollywood, you, could, you guys just want that to be a thing, huh? 3D movies. You're just dying for it. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, yeah. Although one one dissenting voice and a generally positive voice is German. Yeah. Uh, he says the Vision Pro virtual keyboard, at least for the 1.0, is a, what he says is a, quote, complete write-off. You got to poke at it like a monster, like a caveman. There's no, like, magical just, like, start typing in the air. He says you're going to want a Bluetooth keyboard for your $4,000 Vision Pro. Also, $4,000. Yeah, right. we'll see. It, I, I mean, maybe it's a very fancy dev kit, and in four years I'll be eating my hat for not jumping in early, but I... I just, also, you look stupid wearing it. It's funny, we still don't see many pictures of that. I'm willing to be wrong on this one because, like I said, I could use the screen real estate, so. Yeah, but I mean, the other, I don't know. I have lots of negative things. And the the truth is, it's too expensive. Like, sometimes we'll buy stuff just to try it for, like, the show. Yeah. It's way too expensive and probably too, like, what am I going to do? Watch the Avengers for the 400th time, maybe in 3D? (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I've never really been a big into the 3D movies. Like, I'll go watch the demos, like, at an event or something like that, but I don't know. It never really stuck for me. The, the stuff I used to do with my Quest, which I rarely use, right, the, the kids like Beat Saber, is, like, the novelty. It was all the stupid novelty stuff, like, right, I did the thing where you lightsaber duel Darth Vader, and I tried making my virtual office, because we were talking about that for a while, and I just ended up getting, like, this thing has been on my face for too long. And it's so much easier to whip open a laptop and just, you know, type quickly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there is actually something a little more actually newsworthy around Apple. This morning, as we record, Epic's California injunction against Apple's anti-steering rule has been denied. Uh, they're not even going to see it. They've just, no thanks, been passed on by the Supreme Court. So basically, both petitions have been denied now. So it's over. It's over. Yeah. The uh, original judgment by uh, Judge Gonzalez remains the uh, ruling law. Let's see how this gets implemented because there is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, right now, Tim, although I don't buy it, but Tim is kind of playing this as a loss on Twitter. Apple gets to kind of spend this as a win, but there is one crack. And that is they can now steer people to the web that has cheaper prices in the App Store. Right. But but. Nowhere in her order does it say that uh, they have to make it a non-crappy experience. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be it'll it'll be interesting to see how petulant Apple is. H- have you not been reading your little uh, white room book f- with Tim Cook? Thought it's pretty petulant. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's some bacon around here, though. I don't know if this is all new this morning. So just digging through this, but I got some breakfast bacon here. Mm. Epic apparently dissuaded third parties 
from helping them and filing amicus briefs. They actually seem to have a strategy that was designed to maximize the likelihood that the Supreme Court would pass on this whole thing. Why would you want to? Why? I think because someone got a hold of Tim from the Justice Department and said, we got this. Tim Sweeney. And, yeah, yeah. They got, a, they got a hold of Sweeney from the, that the Justice Department said, go ahead and let this go. Work with us. We're building a ginormous antitrust case. We're going to take every beat, every lesson from your case. We're then going to tuck and roll to make sure that that stuff doesn't defeat us. And you're going to join us along with everybody that you were going to have file an amicus brief for your case can now come along with us. He wins long term, but he loses right now. Well, right. If you lose a court case and then the federal government just changes the law to do what you want anyway, you, you ultimately win. Yeah. So the interesting – there's a couple interesting things. One, if you've ever heard of a hostile witness um, and you're an FBI agent at the DOJ, I feel like Tim Sweeney is like the most unhostile witness for you ever. He might send you flowers, some V-Bucks on Fortnite. Like the guy is really wanting to see the feds. He <laughs> – I, I feel like he probably, like, I understand your child has a birthday. Let's get them some custom Fortnite skins, right? Like, he's, he's probably right there with it. Yeah. We should probably also mention that Apple is about to cleave the App Store in two to comply with the March uh, order that goes into effect on the 7th of March in the EU. Yeah, that Digital Markets Act. Which I, I, I just want to say, the level of resolve on Uncle Tim, not Sweeney. I know. Uncle Tim. This, to be this like, is this is the solution here, right? Is right. okay, well each country gets their own app store. You app want store. it that way? You mm-hmm. want to be in the EU? I yeah. now I it's not clear whether that means you have to like submit separately now for the EU, but I don't think Apple's going down without a fight on this one. I think they're gonna be petulant again, and each country that, you know, makes a stink about it's gonna get their own hobbled app store experience. It's wild. And they'll just I didn't even think about this. I thought you know, I thought about the App Store as one cohesive store, but of course, Apple thinks about it regionally. Of course, they I mean, do. internally, that's how they think about it—is regionally, like a store. So, of course, this is going to be their solution. This is what you would do with a, if you had a physical presence store, you would just comply locally. You wouldn't like kill a good deal with your store in the states if you had to comply with some crazy EU regulation. Like, come on, who would do that? Yeah, I mean, this is this is exactly what you might do if you employed people in multiple states, right? If one state has like more onerous labor laws, you might just make us, you know, like a little sub entity for that. I mean, look up major chains and see how they operate. It's very interesting, right? I.e., the Ready Creek Improvement. But Ready was Ready Creek Improvement Corporation is not actually Disney, as my wonderful governor figured out the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. It's been a tough week. It's just oh man, did you see that situation where the guy walked up with the um, participation trophy? That's horrible. That's yikes, just, dude. You know, it's been a tough week, and it's Tuesday. So yeah, seriously. Before we jump out of this, I watched an interview on CNBC with the EU's uh, antitrust chief, mm. Margaret is her name, mm-hmm. and she was just recently meeting with Tim Cook and other other uh, tech CEOs to let them know they're not j- joking around. It is a very parental conversation where she talks about consequences and punishments for them not following their rules. And um, I don't know, it, if, if there was a bit of an Anne Ryan in me, it definitely struck, it, struck me because here I see both the U.S. and the EU facing potential recessions. I don't really see where their next booms come from, what their next growth industries are, except for tech still. 
but yet these know-nothing regulators that don't even understand the tech, and in some cases they should be doing this, in some cases I think they're going too far, but in some cases they're killing innovation like AI before it's even useful, and so we're never going to have a boom. And if you want to see one person who kind of seems to really personify that, it seems to be Margreth Vester or whatever her name is. Mm -hmm. It was really an interview. It was something. It's over on CNBC's YouTube channel. And she told Tim Cook, like, you got till March, buddy. March 7th. <laughs> we're, not, we're not kidding. We're not, yeah. <laughs> wow, dude. Like, that is – well, I mean, in a way, like I said, sometimes it needed to happen. Nobody's larger than Apple than governments at this point. So who would force these kinds of changes? There's no developer. There's no developer. And, and this is somehow going to have to get sorted out because you have Epic winning against Google, losing against Apple for all intents and purposes – even though the lawsuits for this are over, the primary suits, you know those terms are going to get lawyered over and over again in terms of what exactly is a button to an outside payment. I, I, I don't know that any indie developers should risk their businesses on trying to skirt the uh, 15 or 30%, depending on your, your status. Thank you to our Coder QA crew. Use the promo code JARJAR and take $2 a month off your membership for as long as you keep it. Yep, promo code JARJAR. It applies to new members, existing members, yes, as a thank you, and reactivating expired subscriptions. But there's only 10 possible redemptions left. So those will probably go within the next week or so. If you've been a listener for a bit or if you've gotten some value from this show, I would encourage you to please become a member or send in a boost. The Coder memberships haven't really grown much since last September. And now Coder is also ad-free, not very many boosts coming in, and the memberships are flat. While the numbers are good, unfortunately, those metrics are not great. And so even if you can't afford for a long time, if you could help us get through maybe to the summer or something like that by becoming a member, you could take advantage of that promo code to make it a little more doable for you. It's promo code JARJAR. Help us get through this ad winter because right now things are looking pretty rough on the seas for the Coder program. Perhaps now might be an opportunity for you to support. So you can go to our show notes at coder.show slash 553. We'll have a link there. And use the promo code JARJAR. You just want to go to it directly. It'll take $2 a month off a membership. Or please consider a boost. And we'd love to read your message on the show. Well, we were really hard on tech companies for their layoffs right before the holiday, which you often see. So that way they can clear the books for the new year. They can kind of take a lot of that loss and the previous year, and lots of other reasons I'm sure I'm not aware of. Uh, and we went through the list. But it seems, Mike, some some companies realized, boy, that's that's really bad PR. And uh, now here we are in early January, and we're seeing another round of layoffs. Google confirms it's maybe laid off around 1,000 employees. Wow. Yeah. A lot, again, in their assistant team. But it's also, they say, core engineering. Here's the list I've got so far as of uh, a couple of days ago. I tried to do some. Some various sourcing. Uh, Discord has done layoffs. Like I mentioned, Google. Beam, Amazon, Citrix, Audible, Instagram, Pitch, Imperva, Branch, Humane, Unity, Lever, InVision, Frontdesk, Xerox, BlackRock, Duolingo, Tesla, and Twitch. Uh, Discord's layoffs were 17% of their staff. And, and how about this one? They've raised a billion in funding. They have $700 million left with a goal to get profitable this year. They've been trying to go public for years, and they're still not profitable. Um, 
and they turned down a $12 billion acquisition offer from Microsoft in 2021. I feel like Discord might be our next poster VC child SaaS company that never really made financial sense. Which is strange because you think there's a lot of opportunity, right? Gamers are a very uh, lucrative market. There should have been some easy partnership opportunities. They had the $12 billion deal on the table from Microsoft, as you mentioned. How could they not somehow find money? It's got to be, you know, the dumping. They offered so much of the milk for free with the chat platform that when it came time to monetize, it's the same problem with Telegram and even the Slack paid program for some people. It's it's not enough. Like it, I use these services, Slack, Discord, Telegram, and I don't pay for any of them. And I'm a big pay-for-what-you-use kind of guy, but I, I legitimately get no value from their pay-me options. Uh, I'd rather they just let me just keep what I have and, you know, throw them a couple of bucks every now and then or something. Like, I think these companies, in order to get as much market share to gobble, 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 gobble up the market share, they essentially gave the milk away for free. And and now they're, like, trying to get you on, like, nice designer lids for the milk bottle. That's where they're trying to make their profit. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole question of, like, the blitz scaling strategy. Is that viable in this, I, you know, I don't even know how you'd say it, more rational, colder uh, economic situation? We're not We're not in a boom right now in terms of tech. I guess Discord is more gaming than tech, but gaming is super consolidated. So this is the so here's the numbers. And I'm and again, this is that layoffs.fyi tracker that's been going since COVID. I like it. Uh and just filtering for 2024, we're looking at 7,528 tech specific employees with basically 50 different tech companies. And I want you to hear the spin on this. Because you and I have been on this like a bonnet for almost two years, talking about the larger things that are at play that are creating this environment. And instead of acknowledging that companies like Apple and Microsoft and Google and Amazon and all of these companies like Discord, they gorged during COVID, during the lockdowns when everybody was working from home, they gorged on the employee market and gobble, 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 gobbled up as many employees as possible. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Just like they were trying to do with market share, they gobbled employees just as fast as they could. And they overstaffed when they already weren't making enough money. And now... They have to do the walk of shame and lay these people off. But, you know, the tech industry has an entire commercial media apparatus around them that helps spin this so that way they do well in the market and they stay positive in the public eye. Listen to the spin here from Ian Schur. He he says he's an AI analyst for like CBS and CNET. And he says the entire problem is that AI is so revolutionary that it's like a tidal wave of change washing over these companies, forcing them to do layoffs. Right, we're seeing the growth of AI a lot more than we had expected, I think, many of us. And especially consumer adoption and business adoption has been so fast that it has forced a lot of companies, including the tech world, to rethink the way they do things. What is he talking about? What consumer adoption? The traffic to ChatGPT's website by consumers is down. Businesses are still flailing around exploring ways to integrate this stuff. Like like this is a ridiculous analysis that simply whitewashes that these companies irresponsibly hired and burned money that they didn't have, irresponsibly poor-managed companies 
And now they're laying off because of it. And this guy, Ian and others, are helping whitewash that narrative as if AI, it's so transformative that they're having to tuck and roll and adapt so quick that they have to lay off thousands of people all of a sudden across all of these companies at once because they're all getting disrupted by this massive AI revolution. Or is that an excuse? It's an absolute excuse. Right. It's and it's, But, you know, the reason why I think the tech press goes with it, like our friends over at The Verge and other places, is because they are the very ones that we have documented here on this show banging the FUD alarmism about AI stealing jobs. And so now that you have layoffs, they just get to line those two things up. They never did the work. They, they never established the data. They never show you anything that provides kind of any sort of connection. But now we can just say, hey, remember how we said six months ago AI was going to steal jobs? Well, look, look at all these people that just got laid off. Man, look at that. Look at that. Isn't that crazy? AI, huh? When that's not it at all. It's, it's poorly run tech companies that are staffed full of average, mediocre people who shouldn't be there, that are bloated and overweight and sideways, that are finally, because the money got tight and because the VCs won't give them any money unless it's something specific to do with AI, they finally have to start cleaning their ranks and they have to do the walk of shame and acknowledge that they gorged. And that should be the story of the last five, three, whatever years. And this should be what's being discussed and analyzed. And why aren't these companies run better? Why did they do it this way? There is years of reporting here. But instead, guys like Ian and The Verge and all the other commercial tech press like CNET and CBS, they whitewash it as, well, you know, they're just having to respond to AI. I mean, that's literally that's literally what he says in here. He says that, you know, it's AI. So fast that it has forced a lot of companies, including the tech world, to rethink the way they do things. What's so fast? Hallucinations from a chatbot that takes five minutes to give you a three-paragraph answer? What's the revolution here? I mean, yes, I use AI. I use it throughout my workflow to do all kinds of things. It has made me somewhat more productive. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the issue is, you know, in a way we've been sitting here for, what, six years now, waiting for the next, you know, iPhone effectively, right? The next big, uh, you know, sea change. Yeah, and they wanted it to be blockchain a bit ago. They wanted it to be blockchain slash Web3. Um, it was going to be, you know, there was all kinds of other. I mean, I, I, I personally think Web3 was the most hilarious one because depending on who you asked, it was something different. <laughs> but Right, right. And just like, let me create money from thin air and then I'll give you some of it. And then the more people who have it, I'll be worth more. Like. Yeah, that was obviously just going to be filled, filled with scams. And and I think, you know, some investors didn't figure it out until after the bubble had popped. But I think towards the end, people started to see what a ridiculous clown show it was. Well, the other thing, I mean, we talk about this a lot, but with, with interest rates being higher, there's less of a desperate need for, uh, you know, folks to deploy capital. So the investors are just less hungry, not to mention the crazy ass bad actors with their like my shares are worth 20 votes and yours are worth one. Therefore, you can never fire me. Hi, my name's Adam Newman, and I'm literally licensing you the name of the company you invested in so that you have to pay me. Or buying buildings personally and then having the company lease them from me. And he's just an example, right? He's not. I, I feel like the investors kind of woke up and are like, all right, we need to go back to the way we were, where we're a little more, you know, they're looking for growth. They're still around, but they're. I mean, in a lot of ways, this turn is kind of what you and I have been uh, kind of, you know, 
suggesting should happen, right? That these businesses have to make sense. They can't just be something, something, SaaS, change the world, namaste. It has to be, how do you make money? Right. And the answer can't be, well, we should make money once we have a billion users. Well, and the answer can't be, let's take a bunch of money and pour it down the throats of all of our competitors such that they, you know, asphyxiate and die. And then we control the market and eventually can raise prices. Because what a lot of these folks have been finding out is you can't really raise the prices. Now's not the time. Now's not, <laughs> yeah, now's not the time. And also, you know, I would almost argue that there are very few cases of that actually working. Right. The, the positive outcome is we're going to pour money down our competitors' throats and either acquire them or drown them. Uh, and then we're going to IPO and hopefully never, you know, then when you see IPO, you're a public company. It's a different ballgame, right? You have more access to capital. Your investors get their payday. Everybody's happy. You're a hero. Or you get acquired, right? Like if someone named Satya wants to offer you $12 billion, maybe, maybe you think about it. Think on that pretty hard. Yeah, maybe next time they will, right? Although I'm kind of glad they didn't take that offer. I'm glad they didn't either. Microsoft doesn't need to own Discord. Why not? They own everything else. I mean, I imagine they will end up. I have a sense. <laughs> hey, what the hell? Like, also, yeah. they're seriously, they're like the Disney of video games. If they see yeah. something cool, they're like, we'll buy it. Well, and you know, watching my kids, there's two chat platforms they're using these days to do their voice chat, and it's Xbox Live. Even for kids that don't have Xboxes and Discord, they would be a monopoly in my house. If in terms of uh, the you know under Same. eighteen folks chatting and doing stuff, one hundred percent here too. Yeah, and and let's not even you know forget Minecraft, which is I honestly think more addictive than heroin. So my son said to me, you know, Dad, uh, my friend's got this Xbox Live Pass thing, mm. and there's like every game on there. I'm like, well, it's not every game. You got Steam. You got Steam with games you don't even play, kid. <laughs> My son already has that, and he's discovered the glory of cloud gaming. Is it pretty? Is it a pretty comprehensive library? I mean, is it good? I've, that's the one I haven't really had a chance to try. I well, it, it, so he was trying a lot of different games until about two weeks ago when I caved because I was being lobbied by the child because all his buddies play Roblox. And much to my shame, I caved. Oh, boy. Oh, and he is, da- he is now down a Roblox hole. God, this is the this is the phase that lasted like three years that I was hoping would pass in a month. It's bad. I I don't understand. Like this is how you know we're getting old. I look at Roblox, then I look at the Xbox Series X that it's being played on, then I look at the TV again, and I wonder. It's designed what for old iPads. The hell, yeah. Like this, it looks. Like this would have gotten panned 10 know. you know what i mean like this game would have dude all my kid does is just trade pets also the very very obvious ip theft in roblox oh dude yes there's a lot of ip theft in there he's playing some knockoff spider-man thing i'm like how has marvel and slash disney yeah. not just yeah oh, i guess they don't under maybe they're old guys too and they're like ah, we don't know how to we don't I was surprised by that. Um, book yeah. series. So like there's yep. different Roblox worlds for like different book series, but they're not created by the author or the publisher. It's just fans. Yeah. Not a problem, though. That's fine. That kind of stuff in the App Store, that's fine. Hey wants to launch a calendar app that doesn't do anything if you don't log in. Can't have that. Apple is not a rail shop, okay, DHH. They, uh, they used to love them some Java. You can have a system that's literally designed to scam kids all day long out of buying like Roblox, trading them for pets and... The whole thing. That's fine. <laughs> it's a whole platform for it. Oh, That's yeah. fine. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, this is worse. So my, my son goes to that CodeWiz thing, that extra, you know, after school coding camp. 
He finished the mine, the second Minecraft course, so that's it for Minecraft for a while. What's the next course that I could sign him up for? You know, it's Roblox. Oh, oh, gee. <laughs> and I asked the lady, I said, Roblox? I said, he was just, that's part of the reason I caved. And she said, yeah, you know, they're very proactive. They actually reached out to us and were like, here's a bunch you can give, the, we can give them like the, ro- whatever they call it, the Robux as like rewards if they do their competitions and win. So cause that's how they do it. It's a competition. And they do like every month, it's a different assignment. And, you know, the top three kids get like a couple Robux. And I'm like, well, how do you do that? Oh, you just got to give us like your Xbox or your Roblox name. And, and yeah, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. I said, what yeah. the yep. hell? Like yep. these companies, it, it's almost like they're, they're, I mean, we're, it's Joe Camel, but with worse graphics, like they're actually going after the, the kids. But I'm having a hard time fighting it because he's learning development and like some basic design stuff. I know. From the cigarette company, effectively. There are lessons there to be had. Like, I think the number one skill is that he's learning to identify scammers online very effectively. And he's weirdly learning trading concepts mm-hmm. that are actually applicable to, like, the stock market. It's 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 got to be illegal what's going on in there. <laughs> I was looking through the Roblox, whatever their in-app store on Xbox Live or whatever, you know, their page. Yeah. And he was just like, I saw that. He said, oh, buddy, that, that looks pretty cool. It was like some, it was like a, a skin where you were like a knight or whatever. And he's like, oh, dad, I could make that in like an hour. It's not worth the Robux. I'm like, oh, okay. So. Yeah. I mean, you know. I you stand gotta corrected. Know, yeah. You got to know what's a good product and what's worth it. You know, All but right. it's funny what Microsoft and Apple will allow as long as you just use their in-app purchase system. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's it. Again, did you open up your little white Apple book? <laughs> you know, you need that Tim Cook thought. Everything is fine as long as we get 30%. Okay, so uh, before we get out of here today, uh, I want to talk about the theme at CES, which is... Fake AI. Essentially, put AI in it and make it lame. But before we get there, I want to thank our boosters. If you haven't boosted yet, now might be a great time because Fountain 1.0 just came out, and it is a great product. And they've done integration with Strike, which is... One of my favorite Bitcoin companies out there and a super quick way to start with sats in 36 different countries. You can load it up on Fountain, listen in and boost and send your message in. The other nice thing about Fountain is you get all the podcasting 2.0 features like live streaming built into the app. You get notifications within 90 seconds of our episodes getting posted, transcripts and all kinds of stuff in there. And we're adding new support in the feeds for our members. So if you're using Fountain and you're a member, you're going to start seeing new features pop in there. So we'll have links in the show notes. You can go try all that out. Each boost supports that production directly, goes to the network and goes to all of us. And, of course, a little bit of it goes to Podverse and the Podcast Index and helps some of those developers out there as well. Thank you, everybody, who boosts into the show. So let's have a little small business support group time. Like, think about this with me for a minute. Say, like, something comes up, all of a sudden you and I had to hit the reset button. And we're going to go start Mike and Chris's AI consulting business or something. I mean, wouldn't I guess let me back up one step. If we had to start a tech business today, the only tech business, and I'm I'm being serious, that you could start and have any success would be, right now, something that has to do with AI, right? We would have to go at, with an AI play. I mean, really, you have to call it AI, but the thing you're selling is automation, but yeah. Now, um, so if you're looking at the market, I, how do you tell if we are past the moment to jump in or if we're still at the building wave? Because CES... You could take that as a signal that we're at like peak hype because it was ludicrous, the stuff they're building AI into. 
And like every one of them that I watched looked lame. The most disappointing one, I have to say, because I used to be a fan of Volkswagen, mm. was ChatGPT integration into Volkswagen looked so jank. It looked as dumb as Microsoft Sync back in 2012. Oh, that's brutal. Sync, it come was, on. They could not. You know what they? You know what they demoed? They demoed the ability to like turn the temperature up with your voice, switch to Bluetooth. And then you could, because it's all using some local piece of crap based on some old version of Dragon. But then, like, it kicks out, assuming you got cellular signal, it kicks out to ChatGPT, run, runs the query via the API, and then it just reads back whatever ChatGPT spits out <laughs> for, like, 15 minutes. And that's their ChatGPT you know, AI integration with their car. Uh, we actually saw toilets that claim to use AI to, I'm not even joking, to learn the right spot to spray with the bidet and then memorize that. Okay, we have to stop right there. I want to know the process for the programmers and designers who had to do the butthole model for the language model. <laughs> because you know, it sounds like simple, right? Spray your butt with the bidet. There's actually, that seems pretty complex because you got to get the water temperature right, the pressure. Sure. Well, and imagine if you're doing image recognition. You're like, that's a... That's a lot of buttholes to study. And what about folks who may have medical issues such as hemorrhoids? Or how about, you know, the buttholes come in all... Lots of different colors and sizes and furs. <laughs> it's a lot, dude. It's a lot. Yes, the the the, uh, the Siberian minks in particular is tough to deal with. It was a $10,000 toilet, so maybe they put some LiDAR in there. So I disagree with you that they're all garbage. If I had stupid Elon money... This is maybe way too personal. I am quite the stickler for bathroom hygiene. I do own a bidet. Today I learn. And if I could have the highest power chat GPT-4, hell, I'll join the beta. I will literally put my ass on the line and join the beta for the next version to have a pristine butthole. I'm in. I mean, it does sound nice. It does sound nice. Um, and it's heated. And you can change the ambient lights Behind the toilet and around. I'll put a link in the show notes. Oh, I want like Enya. I want mood music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, so is this peak hype or is there still actually a business opportunity here, do you think? Okay. So I think there's two scenarios. I'm wondering if you agree. A, this is like a hype pump just to get us through like the rough Fed season. And once the Fed starts lowering rates later this year and the money starts flowing, every stupid idea outside of AI will get money. And so like the AI hype pump it has to last us like nine months, right? Because so that's scenario A. Scenario B, and I'm curious which one you think we're li living in, scenario B is that something remarkable is beginning to build. We do not know fully what it is yet, so there is plenty of opportunity to build the shovels or to figure out ways to incorporate it. And, the, and it's just beginning, and what we're seeing right now is every single idea gets thrown on the wall and what we'll do is we'll whittle it down to the stuff that makes sense, and that stuff's going to be a successful product. Are we at A or are we at B? I think we're at well, – I kind of want to say both, but I, I think we're at more B. I, I think the problem is because of the doldrums we've been in – you know, the iPhone was a flashbang, right? When it came out, there was a little bit of skepticism, but it, it, it was a huge change. Right. And go ask our friends at Adobe <laughs> how significant. Well, and I would say also flashbang, huh? I would say also, though, that was paired with a massive increase in compute at lower ends and also data rollout on the networks. All of that came together. Yeah. So, OK, let, let, let's let's play like alternate reality here. 
if the I would say the tech press didn't go so crazy upfront about AI with you know their predictions of like Skynet and you know it changing the world in five years uh, in a, in like a really big dramatic way, you wouldn't feel as disappointed. It is certainly useful, right? A lot of tasks are going to be, I think, irre- irrevocably changed by AI in terms of assisting workers, making a lot of jobs uh, more efficient. That doesn't mean the job's going to go away completely, but it's it's definitely going to be there helping you. The problem is, and this is kind of where I'm betting, the stuff where it makes sense is really boring enterprisey business stuff. It's not, you know, Mike's butt. Right. Or it's not. I mean, I I really hate the Cylon stuff like we joke about it, but I really I think the tech press should have shown a lot more discipline with the doom and gloom aspect of things because it's it's not real. It's um, it's just not real. Right. Like we're, we're, we're getting to a place where AI is going to be incorporated in how people work and in other products. But I, and this is what I said last week, right? I still don't think it, it is ultimately going to be the end product. Even something like ChatGPT, ChatGPT's customer is probably going to be other technology companies who want to add a little AI sprinkles to their product. And right now, people are doing it in dumb, trivial ways. But there are, there's certainly value here. It's not all hype. But the problem is, and I, and I get it, right? If you're Ars Technica or The Verge or whatever, writing an article being like, AI will help you catch mistakes in your quarterly reports, accountant, so that you're more efficient in QuickBooks than Excel. That's super boring, rather than AI is going to eliminate X percent of jobs. Right. One's much more tantalizing. Right. I think that's a pretty fair analysis. And I think you could equate, when you said it feels like we're both A and B, I think you're right, because we're kind of faking it until we make it here. So these companies are going on, and they're they're old and new, companies that have been around for 100 years and companies that have just started up this year are all talking up their AI angle, probably hoping that something really sticks and works. And so, yeah, it is it is likely that they're trying to fake it until they can make it through this winter. And then when money starts getting easy again, maybe later on in the year, maybe by then they have a more solid, refined idea and all of a sudden more money becomes available. And then we really start seeing this AI stuff boom. Second half of the year, you know, early next year. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, everybody's learning from the generation behind them, right? And I think there's a lot of founders now who are still drinking the, you know, the crazy boom time uh, model of this is how you be a founder. This is how you raise capital. And I really do think a lot of investors have gotten wise. You can't just do a bunch of yoga and drink kombucha and get a check anymore. And I, I mean, I hope this is true, right? That you can go in and have a business model that, you know, makes sense and actually raise some capital. Now, maybe not, right? Maybe you're right. The money printer will come back on and people are going to want, again, those crazy returns. But we'll see. I bet. But I still think the first money goes to the the most established, most like successful, potentially looking AI project. Like if, say, for example, if I were going to launch a a podcasting consulting company today. Like two years ago, I dabbled with podcast consulting. Mm. If I were going to do it again today, I'd probably I'd probably take an AI angle. I'd probably do an angle of it's podcast consulting to help you integrate AI into your workflow to make publishing your podcast faster and easier. 
And man, uh, it, this is not a paid promotion at all. These guys, I wish they did, though. Gosh, that'd be great. Uh, check out podhome.fm. So you you upload the audio. You know, you know, you record your podcast. You upload the MP3. They basically do everything else. They will do audio processing to normalize and limit the audio. Of course, nothing's going to sound as good as like if you have somebody like Drew, right? But you're, I'm talking like people that don't have any experience. Right. Uh, it'll automatically then do the transcripts. It'll it'll use inference to then figure out what might be clippable moments in the show and generate oh, cool. you like six or seven clips for the show. It'll automatically generate the chapters. It supports value for value and boosts. Oh, really? It does an embeddable player analytics, all this stuff. Oh, um, uh, it'll even try to do like the description and title for you after it does like the transcript and analysis and all that. I mean, I, it's I'm trying it on our Jupiter Station feed. If anybody wants to see the results, uh, you can go look up Jupiter Station in a podcasting 2.0 app, and it's it's being powered by this AI backend. And it's early days, but you upload the podcast, and it does like stuff that takes us, you know, hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, there's something there, right? And so the the angle I would have to take today would be to teach people how to use these tool, tools either through a platform or, you know, locally. Uh, and I think that would be – but if I just went out there and said, you know, I'll help you do your podcast better, nobody would bite right now because it's a winter. There's only certain things people are willing to spend money on. So going back to the small business advice, I think for now, even if it makes you feel dirty and it makes you feel like a salesman, you got to figure out that angle. You have to work that in right now, or you have to be established already. I don't know. It's just a weird time. Well, it's a cycle, right? I mean, it, yes, it, yes, but it's a strong one. It's a strong one, but you know, assuming we make it to you know episode seven something, right? I think that would, we're probably even not that far out, right? Six fifty, six something. We'll, we'll we'll be talking about. I mean, come on, think about the dumb things that got funded that shouldn't have Juicero. <laughs> Seriously, like. It, like yeah, you know if you if you binge enough, there's always going to be a hangover, and and the binging was kind of out of control. It was it was bad. I I do think though that there's I mean there's some obvious political nonsense going on. That once that's resolved, either way, I have a feeling things loosen up. Here's okay. Here's my last thing. Here's my last thing though, and again, I'm just trying to think about how this impacts like the listeners and developers out there. If somebody like say our kids came to us five years ago. 10 years ago, even 15, 20 years ago, and said, Dad, what's a field I should go into to make good money? I think we would have said tech. We would have said tech is a good field to go into. There'll be a lot of growth there. You'll make good money, son or daughter. I don't – today, if my kids ask me, honestly, I want to tell them to become an electrician. I don't want to tell them to get into tech. I, I feel like that boom is over and tech is going to transition into a railroad type company. It techs, tech companies are going to become railroad companies and infrastructure companies and they're going to become boring like the phone companies. And I just don't know if I unless there's unless there's like these little fires still it just like like the AI boom. Then there's going to be maybe verticals that are doing really well that are new in tech because of the nature of the, you know, industry. But I think overall it feels like something has shifted. And I think it, that that shift manifests in like when I think of giving a young person advice as to what industry they get into. Do you feel the same way? I mean, I certainly feel like right now the trades uh, are doing fantastic, right? You know, I think what we define as tech is going to be something else and narrow. Um, I, I I can see a world where it's you're doing something akin to coding, but you're actually focused on like healthcare. 
And it turns out the thing you need to know is not the code, not super like stupid API details because ChatGPT or CodePilot will help you. It's, uh, you know, how the healthcare industry works or how the specific machine you're working on works. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think tech is just becoming a, a core, a, a required core competency of all industries now. So it's losing a bit of its, uh, I, I guess, uniqueness, for lack of a better term. It's not siloed off like it used to be. I mean, who? what is tech, right? Like, you know, our friends at Alderaan, they're a game company, but certainly it's tech. I mean, it's all C++ over there, right? They code all day long. Go, go into any hospital and tell me that's not on some level a, a tech enterprise. I mean, from a, from a baseline business standpoint, you could look at it from like how much of the bottom line of revenue sure. comes from tech, you know, like a tech product that you sell or, or versus the product. Because everything's based on tech. Everything is now, yeah. Like this podcast. I mean, it's, so it's like, is JB a tech company or uh, kind of, but I don't know, man. It's, yeah, you're right. It's sort of, it, it is blurring and merging now because everything uses tech. Doctor's office, lawyer's offices. I watched those. That was my, that was my time in IT is I, I helped those offices transition from paper to technology. And that was ages ago now. <laughs> yeah, mine was I watched, uh, you know, businesses transit. I remember talking to business owners who were skeptical about why they needed either the minimum a mobile responsive. Remember, that was the term at the time, right? Mobile responsive website mm-hmm. or, in, or in another case, you know, a, an app. We didn't call PWAs, but usually they were native when I was doing them. Oh, man, Mike, I remember when, the, when the, it, wasn't, it wasn't just you should have a mobile version. It was you need to build your website for something besides Internet Explorer. There's this thing called mm-hmm. Safari now. Yeah, so the, yeah, yeah. I, I remember one guy very bluntly telling me, "Who the hell is going to go shopping on their stupid phone?" Yeah, and uh, it's, that's very much reversed now, right? Who most people do shop on their phone rather than on uh, any other device. I had a I had a a pretty great client uh, locally that uh, had an Internet Explorer based ActiveX app that Ooh. local contractors would go to to review state contracts. And there was laws where like the state had to make these legally available within a certain amount of time to a certain amount of people. And um, this was the website where any contractor, any builder could go in and see what the state projects are to bid on and look at the schematics and really zoom in on CAD files and stuff. So they were basically mm-hmm. just this crazy setup. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember trying to convince them you know, you're going to have to support something other than Internet Explorer. And I was at the time, it was like Firefox or something. And uh, I was there helping them kind of do a transition after their IT guy left. And I was having these meetings with them because the iPhone had been announced and all of this kind of stuff. And they were not interested in hearing it. They brought their IT guy on. Three years later, they call me up and they're like, our IT guy's leaving. And we're right in the middle of trying to create a mobile project. And it has gone horribly wrong. wrong we're about to miss our deadline with the state we have x amount of users that can no longer view our plans and what bit them in the butt they did not see coming is a lot of these contractors that never had technology out in the field skipped right over laptops and went straight to ipads that mm-hmm. had lte mm-hmm. and iphones and they didn't see it coming they thought they were always going to be targeting laptops because of the type of materials they were displaying uh, and so that was quite the thing to to witness a company that just completely didn't, didn't think it was going to be a problem. Yep. And then three years later, completely scrambling and about to go afoul with their contract with the state. And let me tell you, that is still a market opportunity. I mean, a, a big part of way back when, back in 2000, whatever, my core business was going to these very successful businesses that were kind of like 
family owned still a good part of my business and being like hey guys uh you know see if you're young enough you have no idea what the hell i'm talking about but like sales reps i'm talking about the kind who like used to get a company car and all that would carry on these giant books you remember this stuff chris of all the parts they (laughs) sold and like yes you know i'm thinking of one guy in particular he had like belts and rotors and all this crap that he sold uh you know it was good stuff but like it's just the book like he had he drove a Chevy Impala and the back of his Impala was just full of these books for different like segments. One was like, this is the rotors and gears. This is the belts. These are the timing switches. And I remember going to him and being like, let me show you what other people are doing. It's like, and just trying <laughs> to convince him why, like, if you don't understand, so you're, you're in the meeting, you whip out the iPad and you just say, you know, three millimeter, blah, 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 rotor, right? Or whatever belt, whatever it is. And you bring up all the options and you can show them right there. You you can have pictures, you can have a video of how it works and you can put in the sales order right there. So you don't have to, you know, stop at McDonald's or what, cause that's what he used to do. Right. Fill out the paperwork after he left and have to phone it in back to the office, fill out the paperwork, <laughs> yep. hope the lady at the office understood what the hell he was saying on his garbage cell phone connection. Right. Like it, it was, it just, and it's a lot of folks didn't get it until it was until one of their competitors did it. And all of a sudden, you know, it, it really would save these guys a lot of time because if you could just search and find what the customer needs and then you had you, you could get a little fancier and be like, oh, you may also be inter- like Amazon style, but for the B2B market and where your rep is still doing it. It was a huge and it sounds dumb saying this in 2024, but this was a big unlock for these businesses, like real revenue. Yeah. You know, I remember it was. I still remember it was the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. And Mm. in there, there was this electronic medical records mandate. And essentially the Obama... How did that go? Oh, it it was brutal for these doctor's offices that had already been around for like 30 years at this point. But, you know, the Obama administration gave them this timeline before they had penalties. And I had had a client in uh, Everett, Washington, who was one of the top neurosurgeons in the world. And he, this guy was also like at the at the premier edge of helping them develop remote robotic surgery, big time doctor, and he was furious that they had to switch to electronic records. And so some of that came back at me. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey man, I don't make the laws here, but I can help you figure this out. You know, because he had a system literally for like thirty years, that and gals there that were running it for him. That was working just great for him. And it was his uh, system, right? It was yeah, just yeah. so for him. Yeah. But, you know, that same thing happened, you know, for a lot of other places. That that act, that, that little bit of legislation got me quite a bit of work. It's kind of funny looking back at it now, though, because it's just so obvious that they needed to make that transition. Although, I don't think I – it's not like I can go get it. So, like, you think it would have been nice if somehow we could have figured out a way where I could actually own those records. But Ask not what your podcast can boost for you. But what you can boost for your podcast. Oh, this one stings. I don't think we got any messages this Uh-oh. week. We we did get over 7,000 sats in streams and uh, three live boosters last week. So while we were streaming, which uh, that brought us to 46,134 sats going towards this episode. But that's it. No boost, no message. Hurts. But I know. It's the New Year's. You probably spent all your money on the holidays. You don't got time for your buddies, Mike and Chris, and their silly Coda radio program. I'm sad now. <laughs> well, Mr. Dominic, is there anywhere you want to send the good people before we get out of here? 
Uh, go to alice.dev. Uh, follow me on Weapon X at Jimanuku. And yeah. Yeah. Happy All 24. Right. Get the hell out of uh, here. See, do I have, let's see. Uh, see if it's registered. Is it working yet? I set up chrislast.com to point to my Noster page. I don't know if I'm going to use Noster a lot, but I figured I'll give it one more shot for a few weeks. We'll see. So if you want to follow me over there, chrislast.com will take you to like my primal page. I don't really know how it works. You know, it's still confusing to me, but I'm giving it a go. Also on the Weapon X at Chris LAS, I tweet about the show going live. Of course, you can always join us live, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Or if you're in a podcasting 2.0 app, go subscribe to the Jupiter Station RSS feed and just search in your app. Uh, and uh, we post in there when the show's going to be live. Like this week, we had to bump the date. So I just I rev the date in the podcast app so you can look in there and it'll tell you when we're going to be live. You don't have to do any math. It's just right there and you tap it when we're live. Links to what we talked about today. Yeah, we got those. What? What, you want to look at something? All right. That's fine. Coder.show slash 553. You'll find our contact form there. We love your emails. Good part. Big part of the show. And you also find the RSS feed. Subscribe to that thing. Maybe share the show. I don't know. I don't know what you do. Maybe you could. Lots of great shows over at jupiterbroadcasting.com as well. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Coda Radio Program. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>